Thank you, Charlie. Tough uh, intro to live up to, but um, I'm happy to be here. Uh, I always kind of start things off by saying good morning, family, because AA is the family that I always wished I was born into, as opposed to the family that I was born into. And, uh, you know, no matter where we're uh, sharing, and, and this is quite the diverse group here, I thought it was mostly Irish, but I see like six or seven states. Is there, is there anyone actually here from Ireland today? You told me this was an Irish meeting. <laughs> I love y'all anyway. Um, gee, and I was going to be able to proudly say that I'm one quarter Irish on my mother's side, on my uh, my father's side. Uh, his uh, mother's maiden name was Connors, so there's a little bit of Irish in me. I wore my green today. I know that uh, a lot of you know the other Bob. Be like Bob, uh, Bob Ross. Uh, uh, so that's as close as I could come to combining AA and in Ireland, of which there's nobody here, but uh, uh, well. Um, anyways, um, 30, 30 plus kind of minutes before we open up for share, Charlie suggested. So um, anyway, um, I'll, I'll try to see how concise I can be at putting this all into that time frame. I was born Catholic into a very, very small house over in Cincinnati on the west side. We have two sides of Cincinnati, the east side and the west side. And um, I was born into a family of uh, alcoholism. I was an only child. Uh, my mother damn near died from uh, having me. She developed a goiter the size of a small football on the side of her neck while she was pregnant with me. I think uh, it scared dad so badly and probably her that uh, they uh, stopped at having me and didn't want to chance things after that. Um, but anyway, um, it was a. Uh, um, like I said, a very 900 square foot home. Both of them smoked two packs of cigarettes a day. Mom didn't drink. Dad drank excessively. And uh, that was the life that I was kind of brought into. I had a couple of buddies on the street that were my salvation. Uh, Ralph across the street was kind of the tough guy from a big family. His mom and dad drank, but uh, they were the fun family. Ours wasn't. Steve on the other side down the street a little bit. His dad was a police detective and he was a pretty cool guy having a police detective for a dad. But um, so anyway, I um, survived childhood. I uh, pretty much looked at what dad did on a daily, nightly basis. And I pretty much decided at an early age that uh, I didn't want anything to do with alcohol since I surmised that alcohol seemed to be the problem at an early age. I distinctly remember um, being Catholic, you know, my mom would kneel me down, uh, you know, say my nighttime prayers, say when I'm about eight or nine years old, and I'd say my good Catholic goodnight prayers, and, and then I'd head to bed, and I'd say my own prayer, which was, God, if, if you know, you're listening, I'd really appreciate it if, if mom would take me and her and leave, uh, and if that's not the case, if I wake up and dad to be dead, that'd be okay, too. That was the amount of bitterness that I had towards this guy. Uh, didn't do anything with me. Um, he was of that age, as they say, you know, back in the uh, World War II era where you were never told you were loved. Never got that from mom either. She was totally dysfunctional in, in uh, this family disease. And uh, so I, I made it through high school without having drunk at all. I didn't, uh, like I said, I kind of used him as an anti-role model. I did not want to be like dad. So um, I got through high school, uh, entered college. I did something very silly. I took way too many courses for a pre-med course. Of all things, I thought I might want to be a podiatrist when I grow up. 
And um, you didn't have to have a four-year medical degree. You could get by with two years of pre-med courses. It was really above my scope to be able to deal with all of that. So I started having panic attacks and I started having some problems. And, and that's when my migraine headaches kicked in. Um, I get the alcoholism from my dad. I get the migraine headaches from my mom. So I ended up taking uh, a medication called Furacet. For those of you who aren't familiar with Furacet, uh, it's a three-part drug. It's uh, Tylenol, it's um, uh, caffeine, and it is Cicobarbital, a barbiturate. Most people don't abuse barbiturates, and I didn't for 20 years. But um, anyway, being um, in that situation, I uh, ended up taking, as I said, my medication properly for 20 years. And um, what I didn't know is that I'm a perfect candidate for uh, addiction, given the family history. Uh, we did check the, uh, the ancestry thing and going back to Moses, we have uh, alcoholism on my dad's side. So um, anyway, it was a long and storied history. His father was far worse than mine, and I can't imagine what his dad's dad was like. But um, anyway, I... Um, Proceeded to do pretty well. Uh, I mean, I finally got through um, my two years of pre-med stuff. I didn't end up being a podiatrist. I ended up being a, an anesthetist. Anesthetist. Uh, we don't have anybody from Ireland, so I don't have to use my Irish accent. Um, uh, and anyway, it was a very rewarding job that I enjoyed very much. Uh, I specialized in epidurals, just took care of ladies that were having babies. And so I have 14,000 very happy women in Cincinnati from uh, uh, my services, for which I was very grateful to be able to, to do that for uh, the birthing moms of Cincinnati. So anyway, uh, when did the problem start? The problem started when um, I started looking at my parents. They're getting old and infirmed. Uh, I'm having a hard time dealing with my dad's alcoholism. Uh, my wife, uh, understandably, did not want to take our two daughters and all of us over there where we had to kind of go in and duck down to get below the pall of smoke with two two-pack-a-day smokers and dad's drinking and not knowing where that was going. So uh, we had our problems. Our girls got to be, you know, in that teenage years, which were very difficult. Uh, I did not want to be the father that my father was. I wanted to be a father that my girls would like. And not having had a proper blueprint on parenting, I did not know what that was about. Got to do all the parenting, and uh, I just got to be the nice guy, you know, do things for them, get them things, take them places, all those things, so to speak. But, you know, when things started getting difficult and they started getting a little unruly with their behavior, you know, it was my wife who dealt with that and not me because I wanted to be the father that, you know, I wanted them to like. So, anyway, I end up, um, Spending, as I told you all, 20 years um, dealing with uh, my headaches okay with this medication that had the uh, um, addictive cecobarbital in it. However, when life started getting rough, as we all know, uh, we start to look for some relief somewhere. And, um, you know, I was getting quite anxious about the fact that I was going to have to be the one taking care of my parents because there was nobody else to take care of them. You know, the quarrels I was having with my wife about, you know, going over, not going over, just going over for a few minutes, blah, blah, blah. I ended up just going over by myself just to keep my dad happy. Just five minutes. Your mother just wants five minutes to see you. So I would do that kind of stuff. But um, anyway, uh, I started having resentments about my migraine headaches. What I figured was it's not fair that my headaches would show up at three o'clock in the morning a lot of times. 
And a lot of times it would come after a rough stretch of work where if I had a day off, you know, I had a headache to look forward to. A lot of times I'd wake up the next morning with a headache. So anyways, I had this brilliant um, addictive idea that I had no idea where it came from. And that was, it ain't fair. I think I should do something about it. So why don't I take a couple of Furacid at night before I go to bed without a headache and see if it will keep me from having a headache on my day off? Well, guess what? It works. I woke up the next morning, didn't have a headache. Uh, found out that eventually after a little bit of experimenting with this, that, um, uh, you know, you get a little bit of a buzz if you're taking something that's not, uh, you know, for pain. If you're taking something for pain, uh, it takes care of the pain and you don't get a buzz necessarily. But if you take it without any uh, incentive or any problem, you, you get a little warm, fuzzy buzz. So that was my first introduction into warm fuzzies that I thought was, was pretty nice and it was pretty good. I didn't have headaches and I didn't see anything wrong with this at all. So um, it progressed, of course. I'd be at work, I'd have some problems with uh, you know, a really rough day. I'd start to get some twinges where I thought, oh my God, is this a migraine coming on to, to make matters worse? I know, I'll take a couple of Furacet and get it before it gets me. So I'm starting more and more to take the medication for headaches that I perceive might be there. Uh, I, of course, didn't know it, but it was the disease starting to talk to me saying, you know, this is really good. You know, you had a hard life. You know, you had a hard childhood. Your wife doesn't understand you. Your mother and father don't understand why you don't come over, blah, blah, blah. And then I looked around and I decided I was getting the worst patients of everybody when the two of us were working on any given day. The other guy was getting all the nice patients. I was getting all the bad patients. So there was lots of reasons for me to start uh, rationalizing why I should take this stuff. But one thing leads to another, and before you know it, I am addicted. I don't know it. I have no comprehension whatsoever. Yeah, I know that I'll eventually get to the alcohol because you know this is an AA meeting, but in my story, I wasn't gonna be an alcoholic like my dad. Absolutely was not going to be. So unbeknownst to me, I had to come in through the back door through drug addiction before alcohol. Uh, came into my story. And of course, eventually it did. Uh, it actually came in at the very, very end of my story. I ended up um, not being able to sleep because of the amount of caffeine that I was taking. Um, my sleep uh, situation is nasty anyway, because of the fact that I'm, I'm dealing with, um, you know, um, headaches and all these other things. So uh, one thing leads to another and I wind up becoming addicted and then I can't uh, get enough of the medication. So uh, bottom line is I started writing my own prescriptions. And um, that seemed like a good idea to me. You know, I'm a bright guy. I'm in the upper 50th percentile of people that are pretty smart to get where I got to in life. And, and yet that was a pretty good idea, knowing full well somewhere in the back of my mind that writing your own prescriptions is a felony. Well, as luck would have it again, uh, we were on vacation one time and I ended up coming um, home from vacation. But before we left on vacation, I thought I can save probably two bucks by having my, uh, my uh, forged prescriptions filled at my own hospital. So I went and got my prescription sent down to the pharmacy before we left. And unbeknownst to me, I didn't even, because again, we do our best thinking we're at the absolute height of our addiction. And I didn't even think that, uh, you know, I used a obstetrician's name to sign for my prescriptions. And I'm a guy and he's an obstetrician and obstetricians generally don't write prescriptions for men. So a very bright uh, pharmacy tech or pharma or pharmacologist. Yeah. Pharma. Anyway, 
um, ended up getting it and, and took it to her boss and says, I think we got a problem here, boss. That was followed up by the Cincinnati uh, uh, Drug Enforcement agent paying me a visit when I got home and I got arrested and charged with four felonies. So that, that got my attention pretty quickly. And that um, unfavorably for my poor wife was her first idea that I had a problem. Uh, one thing my dad did, te did teach me was how to be a functional addict. And uh, I was functional for, I guess it was somewhere between maybe five and eight years that I had this going on. So anyway, so as luck would have it again, you'll hear as luck would have it uh, a lot in my, in my talk. Uh, Ohio um, had just started a drug program five years previous, where if I uh, was a nonviolent uh, drug offender, I didn't have a gun or a knife involved, didn't threaten anyone, I could do a special program that lasted 15 months that would get me um, oh. um, through this program. I wouldn't I'd have my felonies expunged and I could get my job back. So all that happened. And uh, as um, you know, it was just a blueprint that I finally needed to have that I finally got. And as a result, um, you know, that now comes the, the good part of the story. You know, what happened afterwards? I started going to meetings and um, I went to a meeting, it's called the Grapevine 2. We read the Grapevine magazine and uh, discuss the story. And uh, what I have to go back to and say is on the very first meeting that I went to, uh, my wife had to drive me because I was in no shape to drive. I was just shaky and just, just out of my mind. And she took me to this meeting and they did the usual stuff that they do at every first meeting. They passed around a where and when. And uh, at the end, some gentleman came up to me and he says, uh, here, Greg, we got this for you. And I says, what's this? He said, it's called a where and when. And I says, what's this about? He says, well, this is the meetings that we have in our area. And the names that we have at the end here, these seven guys that signed the back of it here are guys that are willing to take a phone call if you feel like you need to give a, uh, need a little help some night in the early going of this uh, new journey you're going to go on. And, uh, and so I said, so you're saying that if at three o'clock in the morning, my ass is on fire, that I can call you up, you who I don't know from Adam, and you'll kind of talk me through uh, whatever I'm going through. And he says, yeah, that's what we do. I said, wow, Jim, that's really great. Thanks. I never called him, never went back to that meeting, uh, went to some other meetings. And um, so before you know it, um, you know, the good things are starting to happen. I got my job back. Um, I found uh, eventually my mom and dad died actually right before my, uh, my recovery started. I uh, celebrate my anniversary is May 23rd of 2000. Both my parents died in 98 and 99. So I got to make my amends at the grave site because I had no idea that my dad who went through what he went through was able to do what he was able to do without recovery. So my whole perspective changed on my father that I was angry a lifelong time about bitterness, anger, angst. And um, so uh, one of the interesting things was in my first couple of meetings I went to, I found a woman who just looked like my mom, acted like my mom, smoked like my mom. Uh, so uh, because I was now an orphan, I'm an orphan at, uh, what was it then, 50 years old, I asked her if she would adopt me, and she did. And it's kind of cool. She became my mom's sponsor, I call her. And uh, she's a very special lady in my life who uh, I call mom because she just reminds me of mom. So anyway, um, moving on. Um, I um, 
have found that uh, in my appreciation for everything that AA has given to me, I like to be of service back to this uh, organization. So in the days before COVID, uh, one of my pastimes was I, I made thousands upon thousands of laminated sayings for, for folks that are new in AA. Keep it simple, uh, you know, practice the pause, uh, third step prayers, all the different prayers. I put them on bookmarks and whatever and give them to newcomers. Um, I was in a program called ADAPT uh, that was uh, uh, one year. Well, I shouldn't say one year. No, it was three months inpatient. And the only way that the meetings get to these folks in inpatient is when people come and take the meetings in. So I was appreciative of that as well. And one of my... Uh, uh, Fellow um, inmates, shall we call ourselves, Carl, I called him Carl Bling. He was a small black guy with with a whole bunch of gold bling jewelry. He worked for the post office and God bless the post office. This was his 13th incarceration, so to speak. And not once did he get fired from the post office. So there's living proof you can work for the post office and absolutely never get fired because of substance abuse. But uh, anyway, he's the one that says, hey, Greg, why don't we take the meeting back to the guys like we had the meeting brought in? So I did that for a dozen years, and that was a very rewarding experience as well. Uh, I got to uh, do some things that, you know, never dreamed would have happened. Um, I had um, uh, one gentleman who uh, was uh, just despondent because his girlfriend left him, and I spent about 20 minutes talking to him at the end of the meeting and and uh, just told him, you know, there's nothing I can do about this. I ain't going to tell you the other, you know, all the other fish in the sea. All I'm saying is this is the kind of stuff that happens as consequences of our disease. And I love you. And I hope, you know, you, you take this okay. And, you know, you get through this. And the next week he came up and he gave me a big hug. And he said, I want to thank you for saving my life. And I says, why? He says, because just before you came up to talk to me, I had it all planned out how I was going to kill myself the next day. And because there was one person I thought in this world that, that, you know, said he loves me, uh, maybe there's something, you know, I can do to, you know, turn this around. And there was that. The other thing I like to talk about is um, uh, one of the, uh, I had two pretty fascinating things happen in my recovery. I remember Jim, the guy that gave me my where and when, when I first went to my first meeting, seven years after I met Jim, I'm at the uh, grapevine meeting once again. And um, who walks in but Jim? Now, he ain't going to remember me because I'm the guy that showed up once to a meeting and he never saw me again. I'm never going to forget him because he's the guy that handed me my first where and when, told me how the program worked. It was the hand of AA that reached out to me. So uh, I couldn't pay attention to anything that was going on in the meeting. I ended up um, going up to him afterwards and I said, you, know, you don't remember me, but I distinctly remember you. And he says, oh, yeah. He says, well, you're right. I don't remember you. And uh, I said, uh, you gave me my first where and when. And uh, I just wanted to thank you profusely because, you know, you were the hand of AA when I needed it. And I can't thank you enough. So I said, well, I'm glad I was there. So we parted. And the next week he comes back again. This time I paid attention to the story. And at the end of the story in the uh, meeting, he came up to me afterwards. And he said, I got a question for you. I said, what's that? He says, uh, he says, that was seven years ago. I gave you that where and when. And I says, that's right. He said, you've been clean and sober ever since then. And I said, well, by the grace of God and a little bit of work on my part. Yeah. He says, well, I want to tell you that you know, I haven't been able to string together six months in those seven years that you've been sober. I've been in and out, in and out, through sponsors, after sponsor. I've been to jail, I've been to prison, and I'm out of jail once again. And my uh, sponsor thinks I need to find some new direction. So he said, 
So uh, you apparently have got something that I haven't figured out. Would you be my sponsor? And I about dropped my jaw onto the floor. I said, what? I says, you who gave me my where and when seven years ago want me to be your sponsor? He says, yeah, would you? I said, I'd be honored and privileged. So anyway, uh, long story short, I got to work with him for a year and a half, which is the most sobriety that he had in the last seven years. Interestingly enough, he was going through the same program that I was just having graduated from. And uh, I could see him getting squirrely at the end and uh, nothing I could do. He, he disappeared and went back out. And I only pray that he eventually finally got this. And I'm getting close to the end of my time. So I'll leave you with my favorite story. Remember I told you that I, I forged my own prescriptions and put an obstetrician's name on the bottom of it? Well, that doctor's name was Dr. C, I shall call him. Uh, he was the curmudgeon of the obstetricians that I worked with. And uh, when he found out that I was forging his name, he was sort of an irate fellow because they thought that he might have been implicated in a drug ring or something like that. So anyway, so he had it in for me, I thought. He uh, went to my bosses and he told my bosses, he said, I don't know if you intend for Greg to work here if and when he gets out of prison. But it's either going to be him or me. I'm not going to work here with him if, if he comes back. And to my boss's credit, God love my boss. He looked at Dr. C and says, well, Dr. C, we'll miss you. And uh, <laughs> that didn't go over very big either. But it told me that, you know, my bosses had my back, which not everybody can say. You know, I was very fortunate. You know, luckily in medicine, people understand about addiction a little bit more maybe than in the corporate world. So anyway, so as time goes by, um, I figure I'm going to have to make my amends to this guy. To his credit, when I did come back, he didn't cause me any trouble. He uh, didn't uh, tell his patients, if there's two anesthetists working today, you want the one not named Greg. Uh, he didn't do anything like that. But he was cold towards me for the first couple of years, didn't, you know, say anything, didn't acknowledge when I'd say hi or try to be, you know, approachable. But then finally, after about four years, I figured the time it, it, it probably come OK uh, to uh, um, finally make my amends to him when it prevailed. So one day we both show up in the doctor's dressing room, you know, B, and there's nobody else there. And I thought, well, here it is. This is time. So I go up to him and I said, uh, Dr. C, I said, I just wanted to explain to you what all went down four years ago and uh, explain that it had absolutely nothing to do with you. I said that your only implication in all of this is you write your name, Dr. C, and you make a straight line, which is probably the easiest forgery anybody in the history of forgery had to do. And um, so I chose your name just because of that when I was at the bottom of my, uh, uh, of my hole that I had dug for myself. So that's the only reason that I chose you. It was nothing personal at all. And I said, and I know that that uh, incensed you. I knew that that, uh, you know, made you very angry. And I just wanted to let you know that, uh, you know, that was what I did when I was at the bottom of my hole. And I, you know, wish to say that uh, you may have noticed that hopefully that I'm a better anesthetist than I was four years ago. And that I'm doing the very best I can to be a living amend, so to speak, and give everybody the attention and the care that they deserve without my being impaired. And I uh, just wanted to let you know that. And he didn't say anything for a little bit. And I thought, uh oh, what's going to go on here now? And then he finally said, that, that took a lot of courage. I appreciate you doing that. He says, I read into it a bit, followed up a little bit on, uh, you know, the addiction and this and that. And he said, I appreciate what you had to say. And he said, I think we can probably work okay together from here on out. So with that, <laughs> we're working together one day. 
and we're doing a C-section. He's the surgeon. I'm the anesthetist. I've given the lady her spinal. I don't have a whole lot to do while they're getting the baby out and doing the repair work. So I'm just sitting there just kind of like, you know, twiddling my thumbs. And the, and the, the nurse who was supposed to be in charge of doing all the paperwork, uh, Rita was her name. And she had horrible penmanship. I'm an artist. And um, I also do calligraphy. So what I ended up doing was uh, she looks over at me and she says, Greg, you look bored. She says, why don't you use your really nice penmanship, go into your office and get one of your really nice calligraphy pens and do a really nice job on this birth certificate the parents get to take home. So I said, okay, I'd be happy to. So I did that. And then at the end of the case, uh, the, uh, I don't sign it, but the, uh, the scrub nurse, and not the scrub nurse, the uh, circulating nurse and the doctor signed the birth certificate, and they send one downtown, and they give one to the parents. So anyway, so Rita gives Dr. C the uh, copy for them to take home, and um, he looks at it, and he's looking at it, and he's looking at it, and uh, he says, Rita, he says, you didn't do this. And uh, she said, uh, no, no, I didn't. So anyways, he says, uh, he says, well, who did this? And uh, uh, she says, well, Greg did it because he's a, a good calligrapher. Without even thinking, he looks over at me. He says, Greg, would you sign this for me? And with that, all I had to say was, Joe, I tried that once before and it got me into a whole lot of trouble. So no, you get to sign it yourself. And with that, he and I went off on probably a five minute laughing jag the scrub nurse, the circulating nurse, the resident, the scrub or the scrub tech, the mom, the dad, and the baby had no idea what was going on. But uh, Joe and I had our full circle come around on, uh, uh, you know, the, the the positive effect of making amends and and how something like that can come full circle. So, anyway, uh, I'm coming to the end here. I certainly appreciate all you listening. Uh, I'm really sorry there's nobody here from Ireland. I, I can't say that I did an international meeting now. I don't know. But uh, but uh, it was nice talking to you all. And uh, I thank God that you're all here for me to uh, continue our journey in uh, AA through the Zoom format. And uh, that's all I got. Thanks.